Welcome to the Gin Ignite podcast. Whether you want to party or stay in, gin will ignite. This is the weekly show coming to you on a Friday, ready for the weekend, where we go through all things gin. If you want to find more out more information, catch me on Instagram at Gin Ignite or alternatively go to the website www.ginignite.com. Welcome to the show and let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to episode 16. Today we're talking to Mark Herbert from The Wandering Bartender. We talked to him about joining the Navy to making cocktails in Australia and New Zealand where he met his wife to coming back to his native Aberdeen to walking up mountains to toast the bride and groom with a bespoke cocktail that he's made to his cocktail masterclasses to online competitions and finally his participation in Small Gin September, which incidentally he didn't let me know about. But, you know, I admire him for keeping that a secret. And talking about Small Gin September, we're now in our second week. Please, please, if you get a chance, support this event. Last week was fabulous with Anfield Gin and it's just as good this week with Mark from The Wandering Bartender. And we still have two more distilleries to know to go that we don't know about. And talking about the wandering bartender, please support the competition that's on at the moment. There are two more rounds to go and it's very, very close at the top. I've got very excited today because my clothing sample came for my clothing range. And I'm really, really excited because it came in paper packaging which is all recyclable. So that is absolutely fabulous. I've also really enjoyed myself over the weekend with Merlin the Wizard from the Edge Gin Distillery. And we've been creating cocktails all week, which I hope you've enjoyed. Thank you very much to Mike and Claire from the Edge Distillery for their support on that. I've got something else to tell you. I'm a craft gin club virgin. Now, I'm not sure, you know, I can say that every day. And I'm not really sure why I didn't join sooner. I love the magazine you, you get, the gin you get, the serving suggestions, the garnishes, the little treats you get as well. It really is amazing value. And I, ha I have to say, you know, if you haven't already joined, you really should consider it. And just a, qu a quick plug to cra the Craft Gym Club. I have sent you a message on Instagram. Nobody's responded yet. I'd love to have you on the podcast. Just saying. My weekly gin recommendation this week is the Pitwheel Distillery Raspberry and Vanilla Gin. I particularly love the Pitwheel Distillery because they were the first craft gin that I really tried. It was really nice that they produced a miniatures pack with all their three gins in. They are superb. Now, I have actually bought the original Spiced and the Raspberry and Vanilla. I, I have only had as a miniature at the moment, but it is definitely on my gin budget for the future. The nose of this gin is alcoholic raspberry and it's really, really strong. And I have to say, whilst I find it hard to pick out the vanilla, the depth of the raspberry is absolutely phenomenal. I tested it with my normal Fever Tree Mediterranean tonic, but I think it would Definitely pair well with the standard or an elderflower gin. I'm not sure I'd go any stronger than that, though. I think it would make a very interesting dry martini. Haven't tried that yet. As soon as I do, I will certainly uh, let you know how that went. And I do think it would be great in cocktails. 
And with anything, I think fresh raspberries as garnish is just definitely the way to go. So well done, Pitwheel Distillery, for turning out another amazing gin. And now to Mark from The Wandering Bartender. So it all started in Aberdeen when Mark sheltered from the rain in a forces recruitment centre and he ended up joining the Royal Navy. He saw lots of parts of the world in, in South America and the Caribbean and I think that may have been what gave him the wandering bug. Three years later, he was out of the Navy and touring the world and ended up in New Zealand where he's met his wife and settled back down in Aberdeen eventually. In Aberdeen, his wife set up and runs an elopement and marriage bureau and unlike the rest of the UK, and this was news to me, Scotland does not require a roof and a place sanction for mar marriage. You can literally get married anywhere. So one minute, marking, Mark is hiking up a mountain with ice in a frozen ice cream box to toast the newlyweds, to organising competitions online, to being the second brand on Small Gin September, to organising cocktails. Oh, God, that's making me tired. Let's find out what it's all about. Hello, Mark. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? Not too bad at all. Thank you very much. And, and yourself? Yes, yeah, I'm grand. Thank you, Gwen. Excellent. So lots of people a few years ago were talking about sort of a 365 degree review, but you really have sort of taken things full circle, starting in Aberdeen and kind of ending in Aberdeen. Well, may, maybe actually you'll get the wandering vibes again. Who knows? But, you know, at the moment, that's that's kind of where you are. So talk us through from sort of joining the Royal Navy to where you are now. Yeah, well, as you said in your introduction, um, I literally joined because it was raining and it was the closest building I could run into. Uh, and the recruitment officer asked me what forces I wanted to join. And my granddad was Royal Navy, my dad was ex-merchant Navy. So I just said Navy. And then a few weeks later, I was doing my basic training down in Gosport. <laughs> um, so a bit of a, a whirlwind adventure, that one. Uh, I joined my ship down in the Falklands. Uh, and we were primarily there for drug patrols. We were following a vessel that was uh, we were known to be shipping drugs around South America, uh, okay. which we managed to apprehend um, early 2006 uh, with £250 million worth of cocaine on board. Wow. <laughs> so, which was the biggest in naval history until a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. So, but there, we were in the Caribbean at the time, and uh, we went to a certain island which only had one bar on it, uh, and we just sat there drinking cocktails, and then that's probably where my drinking started was the Navy. Okay. And and where did you sort of move after that? Uh, well, I decided to, to come back up to Aberdeen and work offshore just to earn some money, okay. uh, and realised I hated sitting at a desk. It's just not for me. So I ended up <laughs> working in a couple of cocktail bars and found out I had a flair for it and uh, a natural ability to create drinks with nice flavours and I'm good with people. So it sort of fit perfectly into my life. Excellent. excellent. And then what made you sort of move from sort of Aberdeen, sort of in sort of pastures new, sort of, well, I mean, you've been sort of everywhere, but uh, where, where sort of, where was next? Yeah, well, uh, I was working in Aberdeen, as I said, and I, I got a bit bored. So I threw a dartboard into the map of Britain and <laughs> it, it literally landed in Southampton. Okay. So I jumped on a bus the next day, 19 hours on the bus on the way down, nowhere to stay. I didn't know anyone in Southampton. Uh, I wow. jumped online and I found a job by the time I landed off the bus. 
I had an interview in an hour, got the job uh, and made some friends. And, you know, sort of went from there. Uh, my, my first friend from that job, we decided to open a cocktail business together okay. called Mix It. And so we did a cocktail masterclass with a bunch of my friends to see how it would work. He used to work in TGI Fridays okay. uh, and I used to work in what I call proper cocktail bars, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it worked really well. We, we worked really well together. Um, and then I decided to move back up north after my granddad passed just for my mum. Okay. And then got bored and moved to Australia. Uh, so another wandering there, a bit bigger that time. So yeah, just slightly, yeah. Yes. So and I've done. I worked in bars in Australia, did some cocktails over there, and then I moved to New Zealand because they wouldn't renew my visa for a year because the guy I worked for on a farm didn't pay my taxes, so I had no proof that I'd done my rural work. Oh no! So I had a day to move from Australia to New Zealand just to get out of the country. Okay. So, which was a good move because I met my wife while I worked in a bar there. Oh, fantastic. So, so, <laughs> so it was a good move. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so where did you where did you sort of go from New Zealand? Uh, well, we actually came back. Uh, I was in there for six months and we came back just on holiday because um, my sister was moving back from Australia for a holiday okay. with her partner. And so we went to Spain and then back up to Aberdeen. My wife fell in love with Scotland, so she wanted to stay. So we just cancelled the return flight. Oh, wow. uh, she she got in trouble a little bit because she didn't tell her parents until a week after we decided to stay by phone, so she didn't <laughs> get to say goodbye. Ah, uh, yeah, that, I can imagine that didn't go down yeah. terribly well. Not well, no. No. And then, um, so so obviously you're in Aberdeen, and then um, obviously you then, was that was it at that point you started the wandering bartender? No, it was, a, it was a, a little time after that, actually. Okay. Um, I worked, I was an assistant bar manager in one of the best hotels in Aberdeen. Um, okay. So that was four years ago, and they've still got a few of my cocktails on their menu, uh, <laughs> which I created for them, which is good. And my wife got a, a wedding planning business uh, opportunity down in Cumbria. So we okay. moved to Cumbria. She said, I will come into your hotel if my husband is becomes your bar manager. So okay. I was a okay. bar manager in Cumbria which is the number one wedding venue in, uh, I think, the north, I believe. Wow. Uh, and then I got a job randomly selling commercial lubricants down in Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a jump. Um, just, but just again, slightly. it was just because I was literally good with people. Right, okay. Uh, the guy offered me a job on my banter I was having in the hotel. So right, moved okay. Me down. Uh, and then uh, at that point we were pregnant and had our little boy down there um, but we didn't have a family network or any friends so we decided to come back to have our family close by to have that support yeah on us. and that's when the wandering bartender came into play oh okay um so I, I it does fascinate me this whole idea of the wandering bartender um particularly um you know when i'm about to, or what i'm about to talk to you now i'm sort of getting very excited about it because i just it's something I've just never heard of before. So, so uh, many years I, I, years ago, I got married, but it was sort of very conventionally. And uh, so, let's say I've decided to renew my wedding vows, and I go up to the top of the Bonacci Hills, um, which is I understand is is near to you. So, so and and you follow us up with your rucksack on your back and and your ice cream tub with the ice in, all ready to go. 
so, so how how does it how does it all work you know what what are your duties in this sort of scenario and and what sort of cocktails would you advise kind of making yeah well essentially that side of it that was my wife's idea because she's the elopement planner um right. as you said earlier on you can get married anywhere in scotland so the gap she saw in the market there was people get to the top of a mountain, they buy a loch, they're in a forest, wherever they want to get married, it's close to them, to their heart. Uh, they say their I do's, uh, they do a few photos, and then that's it, the day's sort of over. Um, normally at a wedding, as you know, everyone toasts with Prosecco about 15 times, you know, you have a yeah. drink. <laughs> so she thought it'd be a good idea for me to have a bag filled with cocktail making equipment and ice in an ice cream tub, as you rightly said. Uh, and when they said their I do's, I've had a cocktail that I bespokely make for them. Uh, I find out a bit about their background, you know, how they met, where they're from, their favorite drinks. And then I make a cocktail specifically for that couple, which they get to keep the recipe for the rest of their lives as well. Oh, um, so every anniversary they can make it. Such an amazing idea. I just think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's good fun until you're sitting at the bottom of a mountain with a heavy rucksack and you look up. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you know, it, it, you know, you do have ups and downs, don't you, and everything. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Do. Yeah. So we won the Isle Sky the other uh, the week, and it was beautiful. The sun came out on the day, and it was fantastic. Oh wow, that's amazing! And obviously, during this pandemic time, weddings aren't allowed uh, over a certain amount of people. So the elopement side is huge. Um, right, okay. Not only two of you, so which is great. And are there any sort of popular cocktails that you find? You know, that sort of mixes that you find when when people, you know, do you find sort of commonality, or is it is sort of each one really very very different? Oh, they're all very different. Okay. Um, um, yeah, it's all generally down to the individual couples. Um, probably my favourite one. Uh, would have been I created a, it's called a slow elder south side so it's okay. uh, the south side is named from uh, Al Capone's favorite cocktail he was the mafia boss of the south side of Chicago right uh, okay basically a gin mojito a gin lime mint sugar um, oh wow mine is slow gin and elderflower with uh, lime and sugar and mint so nice that nice sounds amazing tasty <laughs> yeah absolutely so i i saw your live um very recently of the homemade bar you'd done sort of over the the lockdown period and it was really really oh, yeah. impressive i just love the lights and i particularly love the sign that i know you sort of uh, got done locally it just yeah. looked looked fabulous but obviously you know that's that's for home use but you do go out quite a lot and and work with like a party and and have like a master class how, how does that all work Yes, yeah, so I actually I had a I built that myself and it was the first bit of woodwork I'd done since secondary school. Um so all made out of pallets, so I was quite impressed because it, it looked you know, amazing. It, it really did. I'm really impressed. Well, having with a it. pregnant wife, she kept kicking me out of the house saying, go do something. <laughs> so I, I made it useful. So, but I had a proper one made and it fits in my car. It's flat packs, so it takes 10 minutes to put up. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll go to someone's house or event. Obviously, at the moment, it's garden parties. Sure. Uh, with smaller numbers, you know, trying to be as sensible and as more abiding as, uh, as we can be. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've got a Perspex sheet that's at the front of it as well. So the ones you have in Tesco. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So sort of that sort of guard as well. Um, but yeah, so I go out to the uh, houses or events and 
either I can make cocktails for them, which I choose a menu for them, which they approve. Okay. And I'm normally there for three hours and I just make cocktails for their party, whether it's a birthday, a hen party, whatever. Or we can do a masterclass, which wow. okay. is three cocktails. And okay. I show everybody in the group uh, how to make a cocktail that I've chosen or they've chosen, whatever, a classic, a new cocktail. And two at a time, they'll come behind the bar and physically make that drink themselves with what I've shown them how to do. I talk them through everything. And Fabulous. they drink their own cocktail. So if it's not nice, that's their fault. <laughs> they didn't follow <laughs> the instructions. Uh, then this happens again. So they, I'll show them a second cocktail. Okay. The same process again. And the third one, um, they get to come up and use everything I have to hand uh, with the knowledge I've given them the recipes and uh, methods. So then I choose who's the winner. Normally it'll be the hen or the birthday girl, you know, whoever it, the party is for, they'd normally win something. So, Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, so it should be really. Yeah, of course. And, and, and you know, so that leads me kind of nicely on because you also do some training as well. So what, what kind of places would you work with? Yeah, well, I've actually got a training this Monday up at the Seafield Arms up in Whitehills, which is uh, okay. uh, north of Scotland. And I travel all over Scotland for hotel training. And okay. I create menus for them. So mainly hotels. I do bars as well. But hotel cocktail menus normally get it wrong. And they normally <laughs> have too many cocktails on there. They're too complicated. As you know, staff turnover in hotels is quite regular. Yeah, absolutely. So train, I found when I managed bars that people would come up for a cocktail from me because I'd been there a while, I knew what I was doing, and then if sure. there was someone else on the next day, they wouldn't order one because they knew they wouldn't know how to do the way I do it. Sure. So it was all about consistency. Um, even putting the straw in the same way and the garnish being the same size, you know, a lemon slice should be the width of a two-piece piece, you know, not too thin, not too thick. Right, that okay. sort of level of training for staff. Um, and it does help that hotels have shown me sell more drinks that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I hadn't realised that because I obviously do my slices way too thick because I think they're probably they're <laughs> probably, they're probably the size of, well, about four or five TP pieces, but uh, there you go. <laughs> you should get about 14 slices out of a lemon, so that's my okay. stock mind in Mind you, having the only the only the only thing I would say in my defence is it was orange at the weekend. So, uh, oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I'd, I'd completely forgotten how you segment an orange, so I completely and utterly. Luckily, I bought four oranges because the first <laughs> one I started taking the skin off, and then I suddenly thought that can't be right because I've still got the pith all over it. And then I sort of went, oh yeah, you run your knife around it. I remember now. <laughs> it, it, it really, it really is quite a long time since I've done it. But I. You know, my, my uh, segments of orange were, were lovely, so I was I was quite impressed with that. So, uh, That's good. Um, and you, I, I know you sort of said that you, you work with um, hotels um, to, to construct menus. So if you were doing sort of a, I don't know what I would term a sort of high street bar, yeah. what sort of things would you think about putting on there? Uh, well, normally I'd sort of split it uh, down the middle if it was a bar. Right. So I would do, for example, possibly 20 cocktails on a menu, okay. and 10 classics, 10 bespoke right. new, new age sort of cocktails that I create. I have a repertoire of about 30 cocktails I have that I put around the country. Right, okay. Um, so your 10 cocktails, which 
people normally expect on a menu. Your mojitos, um, cosmopolitans, daiquiris, you know, that sort of thing, Manhattans, sure. martinis. Uh, and then what we call bartender creations are normally put on the menu where okay. I can talk to the staff and they can give me their ideas and I can integrate that into the menu. So if a, if a staff member has a cocktail that's kind of theirs on a menu, they'll show more interest in how to make it and learn more that way. It's not just someone telling you what to do. It's, you've done this, well done. Here's my little twist on it. There you go, that's your cocktail. And put their name beside it. Oh, brilliant. So it's sort of 50 50 for the sort of bar area, or 20 cocktails, I'd say. Yeah, that, that's, that's brilliant. Um, and if you were to do sort of the Ritz in London, how, how would that change? Would you do sort of more cocktails? Because I imagine, you know, if I went in there, maybe you'd think there'd be more cocktails or would you still sort of stick to the sort of 20? Yeah, somewhere like the Ritz, a high-end sort of bar, um, I would go a little bit more in-depth. Um, I'd probably stick to about 20 because you'd like to think somewhere like the Ritz would hold on to the staff a bit better so they would know sure. how to do all the classics. Yeah. And... In that regard, that I'd probably make every single one of the spoke cocktails to themselves because a menu should be a guidance and not something to stick to. Um, so if the bartender in the Ritz doesn't know how to do something, uh, he can do something else for them, if that makes sense. Sure. I, I always encourage bar staff to talk to the customer. If they don't know what they want, ask them a few questions and try and the menu as a guidance try and make the cocktail all about the person right so okay. i'd have a, a couple of classics like or twisted classics like a manhattan but with something a bit different in it different kind of bitters or something um a mojito but like an old gray mojito and make it a bit more fancy okay an old gray sugar syrup in there instead of a regular one make it a little bit highbrow so it's not just mojito daiquiri manhattan martini no. No, Earl Grey um, seems to seems to have a bit of a renaissance, really, because I've I've seen it in quite a lot of things recently. Yeah, yeah, people are enjoying the flavour a lot more recently, and I'm not sure why, but it comes down in uh, waves, I guess. Yeah. So I've been kind of trying my hand at mixology. I've been um, sort of working with the the wizard of Orderly Edge uh, this week, um, which mm-hmm. has been quite fun, and. Um, what I found is mixology is great if you've got and kind of got a basic recipe. Yeah. But it's even better when you can sort of start to be a bit more creative and maybe change sort of one or two things. So yeah. ha- how would you sort of recommend somebody to get started with, with making cocktails? Um, well, the way I always tell uh, the staff at the start of the training, um, just remember the uh, method um, or ingredients if you remember two one half and that that will cover you for a lot of nice tasty easy cocktails so two shots of alcohol so normally that'll be 50 mil because a shot 25 mil so two shots of alcohol one shot of citrus whether it's lemon or lime and half a shot of something sweet the sugar uh, whether it's elderflower sugar grenadine uh, passion fruit syrup, any sort of flavor you want, really, and um, will make you a basis of a nice cocktail. So, oh. for example, a daiquiri is 50 ml rum, so that's two shots. Okay. Half shot, uh, one shot of lime, half shot of sugar. Add right. some mint, you've got a mini Oh, wow. 
So <laughs> if you stick to one half, you, you're doing okay for your sort of basic home cocktails. And and what sort of basic equipment do you need? Uh, the real basic, uh, I would say, uh, shaker you really need. Okay, um, yeah. Which it always helps having the a Boston shaker, which are the two halves, the two tins or glass and tin. Uh, I don't like the the one with the, as you know, the nipple with the filter on top. Yeah. That one just the reasoning is the ice hasn't got enough room to move. Okay. Uh, so it doesn't oxidize correctly so it doesn't dilute either because the ice isn't moving enough so it helps having a two-part shaker and um, okay. you need uh, a hawthorn strainer and a fine strainer okay. and a measure from there everything else is a little bit extra but they're your basics okay and and it, uh, would you say that you can get away with sort of normal ice or would you always go crushed ice uh, I, just just normal normal cracked ice from your from your freezer Okay. Uh, which is fine, and I definitely recommend that for your shaking side of it. Uh, you, this, if you get more fancy, you can get those big ice cube makers, but that's just that's the tension in my eyes. To be honest, it's just a fan. <laughs> it will fade out soon. That will. So as long as you you know you've got you've got into the supermarket, and you've got your your bag of ice. That's that's yep. it. You're kind of ready to go. Okay. You're happy days with that, yeah. So how would you just sort of describe your creative? Um, process you know if you're creating um a cocktail um for you know sort of i don't know somebody that's that, that let's say um uh, somebody that's um having a wedding how how does that how does that work you know what what do you sort of start with and what sort of questions are you asking uh, if i'm making a bespoke cocktail for a wedding for uh, the bride and groom or a different one for a bride and groom um i would Ask them how they met. Okay. You know, was it, if it was in a bar, what did you drink? You know, knowing it was in a bar. Sure. You know, well, most of it's online now, but you know, back, yeah, <laughs> back yeah. in the day when you actually spoke to people, <laughs> it was in a bar. Uh, where they were from individually, and okay. what do they remember a specific drink on a date or something like that? And their favorite holiday destination, and how they drink their tea in the morning. Because it's uh, a good way of telling how someone likes their cocktails is how they drink their tea or coffee. If someone drinks oh, right. it with milk and no sugar, they generally like the citrusy kind of cocktail, so your daiquiri, your mojito sort of style. Oh, if wow. they have tea with no milk, they like taste of a Manhattan or an old-fashioned or a martini, so it's a stronger taste. If they have sugar in their tea or coffee, they generally like the fruitier side of cocktails. Okay, and what happens if somebody so has an espresso like me in the morning? What what does that tell you about? Oh, that? you'd probably like you like the taste of the alcohol. You like the taste <laughs> of uh, an old fashioned or a martini. Uh, yeah, dry martini is my favourite. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so it works most of the time. You always get someone who goes, "I drink green tea." Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, trying to be a smart ass. Yeah, now, but you know. <laughs> so that's the sort of process I go. Yeah, I ask not too intimate questions, but more about them than sure. the standard, what do you normally drink sort of questions. So it's a bit more in depth. And then I go away, I do some research, say someone's from Sweden or whatever, yep. I would go around and see what kind of drinks they have in Sweden, what kind of food they eat, what uh, flowers or botanicals are grown in Sweden, uh, and then bring it all together uh, into a cocktail, um, just sort of trying to basis it on what they've given me. Uh, I, I use my nose a lot, so if I've got a bottle of gin, I'll sniff it in one nose, 
nostril. If I have another liqueur, I'll try and balance them together. I sniff them individually, and then I put them together against my nose and smell together. They oh, should, wow, that's clever. They should really help each other out as opposed to fight each other. Sure. Because so, so you get 80% of your taste through your nose. So that's a good way of seeing, oh, does that work with that? And so that, that's the way I work anyway, and that's why I try and tell bartenders to do it too. Yeah, no, that's a, I, I'd not really sort of thought of that at all. I mean, I, I tend to use my nose quite a lot these days you know particularly now sort of having get, got into sort of small batch gins you know yeah because you can actually tell quite a lot before you even have tasted it and then you know sort of when you're tasting it you can really you know, sort of you have to sort of think it through but you can really feel the sort of flavor profile you know sometimes it's really sweet to start sometimes it's not sometimes it's yeah. You know, you kind of get, uh, I don't know, a taste all the way through the flavour profile. Sometimes you get an initial taste. And then um, I tasted some Campari the other day. And I couldn't, because I, I was I wanted to do a bit of a different take on, on a Negroni. Cause yeah, yeah. I, I, like Negro, I like Negroni from the point of view, I, I kind of like the dryness, but I don't really like the harshness. And I've put it with, you know, with cocktails, I've always started with, sort of, as I say, a cheap gin. So yeah, okay. I, I'd have something like Gordon's and it just takes the roof of your mouth off. So not only have you got a really sour Negroni, but it's also very dry. So I wanted to yeah, try yeah. and, I've, you know, I managed to, you know, I think I put some sort of sugar spirit, just uh, sugar um, syrup in just to kind of just bring it up a little bit. And yeah. it, it sort of, it definitely got to me to where I wanted to be, which was sort of, a you know, a, a, a dry Negroni. But Yeah, that's the good thing about cocktails. It, it's like cooking. You know, you, if it's not salty enough for you, to consult on it. You know, it's it's about personal taste. Yeah, uh, and it's all individualised. But I was amazed at the flavour profile of of a Campari because it's a really nice taste initially, and then it just drops off a cliff dryness. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know I know gin is you know if you get a really sort of a juniper led gin, it does tend to be quite dry, particularly at the end yeah. of the flavour profile, but. This is just something else. I just couldn't believe it. So yeah, it's just it just amazed me that you know you taste it. So do you do you also sort of taste the individual components as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. I definitely try to do that. Um, okay, it, it definitely helps, and I try not to drink too much. And <laughs> no, that's I, a definitely I, good. I generally idea. just like a nice beer. To be honest, I know right. I have my own gin. I do cocktails, but I if I go out, I don't drink anything. But a nice and harder, you know that. Sure. <laughs> you know, so I think I save my taste buds for the creating side for other people. Sure, sure, absolutely. And do you would you always taste your cocktail before giving it out, or do you? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, you are like a chef, really, effectively. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure if you've ordered a cocktail at a bar, you've seen the bartender put a straw into the drink, yeah. put his finger over the hole, and then taste it. Uh, that's basically to make sure you've got the balance correct because not every, if you make your own sugar syrup or you squeeze your own fruit, not every lemon is the same citrusy as the other one. All the sugar is not the same sweetness. So right. the measurements are purely there to give you the base and then you taste it and go, oh, that's not tart enough. I need more lemon in that. So that's why you put more in after you tasted it. Um, and someone asked me when I was working in a bar a few years ago, um, don't you get drunk or pulled over when you drive home from tasting cocktails all night? Uh, and being the smart-ass guy, I said, 
well, no, actually, it would take 876 straws to finish one mojito uh, with the displacement and the circuit, the volume <laughs> of the straw that you're drinking. And she said, oh, yeah, fair enough. So, <laughs> it was an issue when the zero tolerance came into Scotland, but yeah, it brushed over very quickly, that was. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, and talking about sort of being, um, essentially, um, you're, you're um, being very um, precise and, and obviously, very recently, you made your own gin. So what inspired you to, to do that? Yeah, I did, actually. Uh, it was uh, beginning of the year, I think I got in touch, because um, I do the master classes, as you know, and sure. gin is huge. So most of the cocktails are gin-based. Okay. And I couldn't find a gin for my bespoke cocktail that I thought was perfect. Um, I bought different gins, I tried them all uh, with the cocktails, and it just wasn't the perfection that I was looking for. Sure. So I then looked online to see if I could make my own gin somewhere. Uh, and lo okay. and behold, the City of Aberdeen Distillery website popped up, and I thought, oh, that would be good, I'll contact them, because it's actually a gin school. You go in okay. and have a gin tour, a gin school, so you make your own gin. Uh, you can do this... Uh, now and they're lucky enough they've got a tax break at the moment so they're giving it back to the customer so it's 15 pound cheaper to do it wow Uh, so you go in you taste all of their gins Uh, i think they've got about six of them at the moment all these beautiful demi johns filled with fantastic gin right you taste them all they describe them all to you uh, and you've got you got a gin and tonic to hand it i don't remember being dry when i was there (laughs) Uh, and they've got i believe it's 106 different botanicals to choose from Wow. Um, they've got all the standard ones, you know, your juniper berries and all that in a little pot. So that's going to go in your gin. But from there on, it's it's your garden to choose from, essentially. So I went in with what I wanted in mind. Uh, my cocktails for parties, from experience, are citrus sweet lead. So okay. your, your daiquiri styles. Um, I, most people go to the middle of the road daiquiri sort of style sure. uh, some of them might like the dry Negroni style some of them might like the sweet side but they all generally like the middle of the road sweet citrus based cocktails so hence why my gin uh, is aimed at that sort of uh, flavor profile it contains orange peel lemon peel kaffa lime leaf elderflower and uh, Moroccan coriander wow. uh, the citrus side of that balance that with the elder I love an elderflower gin uh not an elderflower flavored gin but elderflower in gin yeah uh, they used to do it years ago they sort of stopped um and hopefully it's going back in again so yeah that's what I saw went for and the measurements to make one 70 cl bottles are very precise okay uh, so the the guys there uh Alan he's the the head distiller uh, he's the guy who said right you need half a gram less of that orange peel. So I had to chop a little <laughs> bit off and put it back in and, and then we do all the extraction and all that. And the first attempt was good. Um, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. Same okay. with the second one. But the thing is, you have to wait about two weeks before you taste it properly. So it took a few weeks to do the gin settles out. The flavors all balanced together within two weeks. So sure. I had to taste it in two weeks' time, uh, which is hard. I had a bottle of gin there. I couldn't open yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the third attempt, uh, we nailed it, uh, which was surprisingly fast. You know, a lot of 
distilleries. Uh, they, they sort of take anywhere between 20 and 50 attempts to find the right recipe. So Lee was pretty good. Yeah, no, that's that's very impressive. And they use organic alcohol as well. So okay. it's twice as expensive to make for them, but right. it tastes twice as good. It okay. doesn't have that burning sensation. It's beautiful. I mean, that's that's amazing because... I just I, I admire anybody that that makes their own gin because I just think it's you know particularly when you've got to choose between a hundred botanicals, yeah. kind of I mean the good thing I guess you knew kind of where to start because you kind of knew what your sort of flavour profile was. Yeah. But you know I, I can just imagine myself doing it, thinking, well, where do I start? Because I do like sort of a wide variety of of gins, particularly, and I just. Yeah, I just don't know where where I'd kind of start. How how would you describe the sort of flavour profile of of your gin? Uh, well, the, if you're having it neat, uh, which I try all gins to start with. Um, Absolutely, I think a lot of people are doing that now, which is fantastic. Um, the elderflower really comes through uh, okay. when it's neat. Uh, as soon as you put some tonic in, bang, the citrus is there. Um, it just right. separates it out, really brings it all together. Uh, I'm still tinkering with the best garnishes, and okay. my favourite so far is orange peel. And right. I think every gin should work with lime. If it <laughs> might be better with other things, but it has to work with a standard wedge of lime and tonic. Right. Like it might okay. be better with other stuff, but if it doesn't work with that, you know, you, know, you need to <laughs> go back to the drawing board. Uh, <laughs> mind you, I I um. You know, so having said that, I mean, I, I've got to be honest, when I tend to have a gin and tonic, I don't tend to have any garnishes. But recently I've sort of started to, to try it a bit more. And it yeah. does it does definitely make, you know, sort of something really kind of or certain things really stand out. But I, I always remember, you know, sort of when I um, used to have gin when I sort of first started sort of many years ago and everybody would have lemon in it, ice, gin and tonic, and that would be yeah. it. But. I, I never quite understood why everything always tasted the same. It didn't matter whether you had the cheapest gin or the most expensive gin. Mm-hmm. And 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 I suddenly realised, if you take out the lemon, suddenly you can actually really taste the gin. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the lemon is just essentially wiping out the sort of whole flavour profile that you're getting. Now, Now, having said that, you know, if you've got a very, you know, citrus based and it's it's particularly heavy on the lemon then i think the lemon will work really really well but for the vast yeah. majority of gins that doesn't necessarily work well in, in my opinion but obviously you know everybody's got their, their you know their own opinion i understand that yeah well that's what i thought of uh when i was bartending um you get a lot of pretentious bartenders out there sure uh, where if someone comes in and orders a cocktail that they think is beneath them they won't do it it's like you, the customer's coming in for a cocktail. You can make them that cocktail and then suggest one afterwards. Like, oh, if you like this, you might like that. Don't flat out refuse to make them a drink because you don't think it's a nice drink. Unless, uh, <laughs> tell you a story, once this guy came in, we had a, a Darwini, one of the constellations, and it was £250 a net. This American guy bought one, tasted it, and he goes, okay, give me that grouse, tasted it. He goes, I can't taste the difference. Poured them in together and bought a bottle of Coke. And I, 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 I served it, but I had to walk away. I just couldn't watch him 
No, <laughs> I just couldn't watch him do it. Yeah. Well, I, I think I told you a story as well when I um, I had a, a, a gentleman come into the bar, and I'm I'm a, I also do love whiskey, um, and uh, I, I I'm quite happy for anybody to have whiskey with ice or neat. That's fine. Um, yeah. But if it's a single malt, you know. For me, it's absolute sacrilege if you put ice in it. Now, if somebody yeah. said to me, would you put ice in it? I would put ice in it. But back then, I felt very strongly about it. And I said, I'm really sorry, sir. I can't serve you that. Yeah. And uh, at that point, my restaurant manager took me aside and Ben said, uh, Ben, don't be so stupid and made me serve it, um, which was which was from a customer point of view was the right thing to do. But I, I you know. I did find it very, very hard, but anyway. Yes, sometimes you just just take your time, walk away. <laughs> well, I, I learned very. Um, I, I, you know, I, I love cooking at home, and I did a hospitality degree, so I, I, I always used to say, you know, put salt and pepper on the table, but nobody yep. should t- touch the salt and pepper because I've put enough in. Yep. And I remember um, somebody who's very close to me just always put salt and pepper on, and I found it really, really hard, but. After a while, I think, you know, what what you were saying, you have to realise that it's about what the person you're serving wants and you just yeah. got to give that to them. You, yes, you might make some suggestions, but at the end of the day, you can't say this is what the cocktail you should have. You, you've got to say, you know, what would you like? And then maybe try and encourage them to perhaps change one or two things if you think that those things aren't going to work together, but you've still got to, you know, give them what they want at the end of the day. Yes, exactly, exactly. I say, like, if you can, if you can educate them uh, afterwards, I'm not saying they're not ill-educated, but they haven't got that knowledge that you have. No, exactly. So I was encouraged in a bar I worked in. My manager was great. He was in Aberdeen. Uh, it's not there, unfortunately, now. But he said, if someone comes in and orders, he's drinking rum and coke all night, for example. Uh, no problem. Seven minutes rum and coke. Um, talk to him if it's quiet enough. Uh, say... So why do you drink rum and coke? Uh, is it the coke you like, the rum you like? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, pour a little bit of uh, rum in a glass. Ask him to taste it. You uh, normally go, "Oh, that's strong," because yeah. you know you normally fill it with sweet coke. Uh, sure. Then put a cube of ice in it. Give it to him. Uh, squeeze a bit of lime in it. Give it to him, and he will normally lighten up at this point. Uh, pour a little bit of apple juice into it. Give him to taste that, and you think it's amazing. And then pour a little bit of, I think we use dandelion and burdock bitters from okay. a guy in Aberdeen and taste that. And all night, you'd normally go with that drink. You know, it's getting him off the sweet, the sugary Coke on something a bit different. Yeah, that's amazing. That's such an amazing story. It's a good way of getting people to taste something and trust you. You know, if I was always, when I was managing, I said, don't worry about the stock too much. If this helps the customer get, a better experience and a nice night do this you know encourage that sort of side of it yeah that's not everyone can work that way i know that but that's the way i like to work yeah definitely well and it really does you know sort of show people kind of what they perhaps would like to drink you know rather than what they just drink as a sort of just well i walk into a bar and i order always order this actually you're showing them that perhaps they might want to order you know something a bit different exactly yeah it gives them a little bit of a wider uh yeah variety i guess yeah absolutely so um i know you weren't really sort of intending to sort of sell your gin but i know that sort of changed recently how how come that changed uh 
Yeah, well, um, when I was doing the masterclasses and the parties, obviously I'd have my gin with me. Uh, and being so proud of it as I am, uh, I'd invite everyone to try it. So I'd uh, bring along some local tonics called Water Gregors. That's what I use uh, in my business. Okay. And a really nice tonic. And I'd give them a taste. And they'd go, oh, can we buy that? I was like, oh, no, unfortunately not. But hang on, bear with me. Uh, and so I went to the distillery and said, people want to buy this. They're really interested. Can we do this? And they hadn't done this before. Okay. Um, so they looked into the costs and how it would work. And they all sort of went, yeah, yeah, we can do that. So now you can buy on their website. And they basically they get an order. They have one third batch at the moment. So it's 50 bottles per batch. So we're doing pretty well considering it started in the beginning of lockdown. Fabulous. <laughs> and they just, they, they make it, they scaled it all up correctly. Uh, he did the correct extraction and he's a fantastic knowledgeable man. And yeah, it went from there and people were still buying it. And I was giving it away in competitions just to spread my name. And hopefully we'll be in some local uh, small stores soon as well, which would be great. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously, you know, that sort of nicely um, sort of leads me on to the, the, the competition that, it's still running at the moment, isn't it? I think you've got a couple more rounds. Is it a couple more rounds or just one more round to go? Um, got two more after two more. this. Okay. Um, alongside, this is my own competition. I thought I was fed up of all the Instagram uh, cliques going on and popularity contests. So I ran a competition where it was anonymous. So I hand-selected six non-cocktail-making accounts um, so they're just gin people uh, who I chat to quite a regular basis. So I thought they were nice. They support me. So I invited them to be part of this trial competition where I give them a theme a week for six weeks. And the first week was blue. Second week was James Bond. Third week was Tiki. This week is outdoors. Next week, I won't say. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one knows yet. Um, and they have to create a cocktail and take a photo. And every day they are up against each other. So people vote and it's anonymous. So no one knows who they're voting for. So people can't go to their friends and say, vote for me, I want to win. So it's purely about the image and the cocktail ingredients. And and it, I've got to be honest, it has been amazing. I've been so impressed with what, you know, given that they're sort of, you know, I know one or two of them have... Um, you know, sort of done cocktails before, but some of the cocktails they're producing look absolutely fabulous. Yeah, they, they just ran with it. Um, I'm not sure it's just because I selected six women to do it. They seem to be a bit more creative. I'll do six men next time and see how we go. So, uh, yeah, so they, they've done fantastic way. Well, they've uh, helped me out. They've promoted it. And, yeah, we've got two more rounds to go and it's still quite close to the top. So fingers crossed to keep going. Well, and, and you know, for me, the favourite round was when you introduced James Bond. So I hope we've got, you know, another video like that. Because I, I did kind of wonder what you were doing when you were right up close to the screen. I was like thinking, <laughs> come on, Mark, you got, you know, you're, normally yeah. you're, you're, you know, you know exactly how, you know, where you are on the screen. I was like thinking, why are you so close? And then you sort of revealed, you sort of went back and... <laughs> 
there you were in your tux and the James Bond music playing. It was absolutely brilliant. I just loved it. Yeah, I tried. To, that's the that was the easiest one to be creative with. The tiki one, I haven't got anything tiki style. I haven't got Hawaiian shirts or anything, so no. <laughs> I didn't do a video. But outdoors, I live in the northeast of Scotland, so that should be relatively easy to actually have done. And the next one, wow. um, I will have to think of a video because I'm releasing it on Friday, so I'll oh, okay. think of something. No, I'm looking. I'm I'm looking forward to that one. So you know, I've got my hopes up. Yeah. Um, and obviously, very recently, and you know, we were speaking. Um, I think about a week or a couple of weeks ago about you know you coming on to the podcast, and you didn't let it slip about Small Gin September. So how did you get involved with that? Um, well, literally, Vanessa messaged me, um, and we were chatting about something that. I- I think it was about the competition. Okay. And and she got in touch and said, I've got an idea. And I was like, okay. She's like, can I run it by you? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And she goes, do you think this would work, this style of competition? And I thought, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm happy to help. I'll run that with you. That's fantastic. And she goes, so you're the first one to say yes. And so I just need to get four other distilleries on board. I was like, they'll jump at the chance to do this. It's fantastic. So I was meant to be week one. But scheduling issues with uh, the wonderful Anfield uh, gin, sort of, they had to go week on, which is not a problem. Okay. Uh, in my eyes, it's gained traction to promote me more. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Vanessa's been great. She sent me sort of a, a list of timings and when to post things on Instagram correctly and to get best traction and build things up and get tension built. And uh, now, so I've just posted my first day trivia so uh, okay i'll look forward to looking at that when uh, we finish this call yes so fingers crossed that uh, makes sense Uh, (laughs) um, i'm hoping it it does and we'll yeah it's hard to describe on the phone okay so you'll see it soon okay yeah and um so this sort of nicely leads me into um how did the Wandering Bartender brand start? Uh, well, as you know, it kicked off with uh, the elopement side of it. And from there, sort of grounds and legs, I thought that's quite a niche market to go down, just elopement. Sure. It's just starting to pick up traction. And obviously with COVID, it's kind of, you knock on the head a little bit, but it's going to start to come back. It, um, I thought I can do more than this. I can do my master classes, I can do um, parties, I can do training, I can do all sorts uh, with my years of background. So I thought, why not bring it all under one umbrella and just, just go from there. So if someone wants something, I'll do it. You know, I can do it. I worked in horrible little bars on the street corners <laughs> and I've worked in five-star hotels. So I've done it all. Yeah, and it's, it is such a great, the, the way you have sort of put it all together, I think it is great. And it does really, I always think it's very clever if you can describe a brand and it kind of just sort of encompasses everything. And it really, it really does. It encompasses sort of everything sort of about you and what you represent and the services you provide. Yeah, yeah. But what does the, the Wandering Bartender represent to you? As a brand? Uh, the one good bartender to me is, well, it's everything to me. It's my the reason why I do it is for my family. But okay. it's, for everyone else, it, it's meant to be fun. It's not meant to be too serious. Um, 
I know a lot of companies and bars take things a bit too serious. Um, drinking's meant to be fun. You're meant to enjoy it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Meant to offensively. So um, if I can show people a few cocktails and how to drink it sensibly with the right measurements, that is drinking sensibly and enjoyment. So, And it's also about high standards at the same time as being fun, you know, yeah. keeping that level out of in between. Uh, and it's, it's my personality. It, uh, every cocktail I make is one that I would drink or I, I would feel people would enjoy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's very much just me on a label basically <laughs> that's a very good way of describing it me on a label there you go yeah and and where where, where do you think the brand is going to go next have you got any sort of big ideas that you can share with us yeah uh i am contemplating uh spreading down england um okay. i just need to find somebody who has the same level of enthusiasm positivity and high standards of um customer services me uh, i'd like to find someone like that to use my brand to help them out and do what i do down there and you know kick them out with my brand kick them out on my gin and they'll do what i do in england in a certain area uh, and hopefully franchise it that way so i've got different bars wandering bars around the uk i think i probably split the england up into probably six areas okay see the the carbon footprint of traveling <laughs> you don't want to be too big no no no, so, no. Unfor- unfortunately with scotland most of it's mountains so you <laughs> have to drive um but yeah i'd like to franchise it around the uk i've always wanted to open a cocktail and tapas bar okay uh, and spread that i'd love to do one in australia uh one over here yeah just sort of yeah spread the, the fun i guess uh, the the gin side of it, I believe we can ship down the EU. Uh, we've worked out how to do that um, okay. legally, as in paying your taxes and everything. Um, my sister wanted to buy a bottle for herself in Australia because she lives in a place called Wandering, weirdly. Ah. Uh, <laughs> that's not where the name came from, but she lives in a place called Wandering. Uh, and I believe there's about 126 people in this little town. Okay. Uh, so they wanted to buy some bottles for the Wandering Tavern, but I think it would work out at about £85 a bottle after shipping and taxes. Wow. So I thought, I'll bring some out next time I go over. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, probably easier. Probably easier. Yeah. So that's the sort of short-term vision, I guess. Um, and sorry, one last question I've just thought of, sort of a breaking question because I realised I forgot to ask you about it. I know we'd been speaking about very previously in one of our conversations um, about a potential new flavour as well you were thinking about. Is that something you yes. can reveal? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm currently talking with a distillery and on the search for uh, a slow gin. Uh, wow. So um, I, I know what I want. and I'm just waiting for berries to start popping up here and <laughs> uh, we've worked out i need about 10 kilos of slow berries to make the batch i want okay so <laughs> that's going to be a few trips i think but i've got being in scotland i've got a few places i could go but i want it to be as local to my house as possible fantastic it's nice to be local yeah absolutely absolutely well it's been great chatting with you um I think it's probably a sort of good place to, to, to end it there. But um, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, 
Um, I do most of my work uh, through social media, as everyone okay. does now. Um, so it's on Instagram or Facebook. Um, okay. The Wandering Bartender on there. Um, also the website, which is thewanderingbartender.co.uk. Okay. Um, my contact details are on there. And there's a live chat if you just fancy a chat. If anyone wants to ask me a random question about how to make a certain cocktail, just send me a message. I always reply. Okay. Um, it, it, it's not secrets. You know, <laughs> I'm happy to tell someone how best to make their egg white cocktail a bit frothier, you know, <laughs> or what flavors go well with what, you know, it's not, it's not trade secrets. It's all out there. So if you want to talk to me about it, just send me a message. I'll always reply. Okay. And just, just to be clear, in case you don't look at the show notes, the, the wandering bartender on, uh, on sort of, uh, social media, particularly Instagram is the underscore wandering bartender. So just to yes. be absolutely clear on that, because. I, I know that you can go to the wandering bartender, but it doesn't look like you at all. So, uh, ah, okay. There's another one. There's another one and it's just not the same. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So last couple of questions, what is your favorite gin other than your own? And what would you serve it with? Ooh, my favorite gin. Um, I would probably have to say the Macintosh range. Um, oh really really nice yeah they're yeah. great family business Jim just married his love of his life Deborah um, the other day as well so congratulations to them oh yeah I, yeah uh, I saw that I did did like that and say my congratulations on Instagram so. yes they're fantastic lovely people they've supported me as well um, so yeah I'd say the Macintosh gin I love their old Tom uh, okay beautiful uh, and they I like it with a touch of pineapple and uh, lemonade. Weirdly, I don't like gin normally with lemonade, but this one goes really well okay. uh, with lemonade. And uh, during lockdown, Steph, the cocktail lady uh, for them, was uh, doing lives as well, just before I was. So it was a nice, nice Saturday night. She did a live, and then I did a live. So oh, it fantastic! Was, it was a nice little roll on for the whole Instagram community. But yeah, definitely the Macintosh. They've got three bottles out at the moment: uh, standard, uh, London Dry, the Old Tom, and their Navy Strength. And okay. they're, they're amazing. Really are nice. Okay, and and last question: What does gin mean to you? Oh, gin means money. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, gin to me is uh, it's. It's changed perceptions over the years. Uh, It's such a nice cocktail uh, gin. Uh, It's good to make cocktails with, I should say. Whereas, you know, your vodka is just, it makes things alcoholic. It doesn't do anything else for a cocktail. Rum makes things sweet. Tequila is what I think is going to be the next big spirit. Um, It's really good. But gin, it's got such a wide variety of uh, flavors. You can use profiles. You can have... 50 in your bar and you won't have two of the same uh, and it's a community as well um, it's yeah, been a absolutely. bit stretched at the moment online there's been a bit of a few fractions going on but hopefully that will pass and we can stop being children in a schoolyard and all just get on yeah. you know support each other we're all here for the same goal to drink nice drinks essentially and it's a bit of fun so yeah gin to me is yeah variety and community I guess Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the Gin Ignite podcast. Uh, it's been lovely to talk to you and I've really learned a lot about sort of cocktails. And I just I, I've got to say your service, you know, is, is just sounds fantastic. So uh, yeah, if, 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 if you are considering eloping or getting married up a hill, 
you know, definitely get in touch with Mark. Thank you very much. Lovely to chat to you. So a lot has been happening this week. My Instagram shout out, which you'll find out in a minute, is Gin Meets Girl. And I'll be talking about that in just a second. But I really wanted to pick out a post that she'd done this week. Unfortunately, she had a car accident. So we're very sorry about that. But I loved your post about your go-to gin. The go-to gin in this case is Cotton Gin by the Otterbeck Distillery. And I came to know about those because uh, of a live that at Glass of Gin Packet of Seeds, so Kerry did with them. And I'm not surprised that you said in your post that they are all over Instagram at the moment. And just saying, Otterbeck Distillery, if you want to come on the podcast, you only have to say. I uh, have also been paying a lot more attention to the Craft Gin Club posts that have been going out, probably because I've, you know, just joined. And I just wanted to thank, say thank you to everybody that responded to the post that I did about me being a craft gin club virgin on Facebook. So thank you very much for that. I also wanted to talk to, to you about one of the posts that they put out, which <laughs> really, really sort of tickled me, I guess, because I, you know, sort of been in technology a lot of my life. And it said, until I'm unable to download gin, I will remain unimpressed with technology. Four Pillars have yet again grabbed my attention because they've brought out another product, their rare dry gin organic dark chocolate, and it looks absolutely amazing. So last week it was jams and this week it's chocolate. And Stockport Gin, I really enjoyed your post about staying in is the new going out and your introduction to virtual tasting. I'd be very interested to get your view as well if you have an opportunity to DM me uh, either at Gin Ignite on Twitter or Instagram just to let me know what you think about virtual tasting. So it won't come to, to you as any surprise that my Instagram shout out this week is Bev from at Gin Meets Girl. She really is a recent discovery but I love the fact first of all she works for our amazing NHS in the UK I would also like to thank you and your colleagues for keeping us safe. We all really do appreciate it. I really love your posts. They're really down to earth. They tell a great story and they always ask for engagement. And I have to say that I haven't really got engaged too much to your posts. So the next few that come out, I will be making sure that I provide a comment of some kind. I really loved your last post about Strangers and Sons from this month's craft gin club and the fact that you ordered curry because it's an Indian gin, it just made me really, really laugh. Your posts are always so vibrant and so well presented. I think they must take you ages. And all I can say is it really is worth it. Please continue your fantastic content and I will be more engaging in your posts in the future. I would love to hear from you. If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so at Gin Ignite on Instagram or Twitter. If you want to email me, then you can get hold of me podcast.ideas at ginignite.com or alternatively, if you want to just a chat via email, although it's much easier to DM me, but if you want to chat via email, that's fine. Then gin.gossip at ginignite.com. The thing that I like about the gin community that I've met so far is nobody judges anyone for what they believe, what they look like, or who they choose to be. The world would be a much better place if everyone took that view. Grab your drink, toast those you love, enjoy your weekend, and whether you decide to party or stay in, 
I will be with you in spirit. Seriously though, enjoy your weekend and I look forward to joining you for another episode next Friday. Cheers! <laughs>